So someone says hello, welcome to Gaia and Sarah save the world. That's how we do it. Hello, okay. welcome okay. to okay. Gaia okay. and Sarah okay. save the world. That's what we do. Okay. <laughs> hello, welcome to Gaia and Sarah save the world. That's it, right? I think Gaia and Sarah save the world. As you can tell, time has passed. <laughs> It's been a minute. Um, a year. It's been, I guess, more than a year. It's been, we filmed about a year ago, but it's been like more than a year since we've like existed yeah. as a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, very obviously, we have not been filming for a while. Yeah. Uh, 2021 was um, an interesting year, to say the least. Super interesting also not at all interesting yeah it's it's really interesting it's really interesting how both interesting and uninteresting it yeah is. yeah um so for a number of reasons none of which we could have foreseen or planned for we haven't been making the show uh mostly COVID related yeah also just life change related yeah I don't know if anyone else feels this way but I think that we all were like banking on like 2021 being like this transition back to normal and mm -hmm. that didn't happen. It really didn't happen in any way. No. Um, in any way. So I have a whole different job now. I have, I have, I basically feel like I don't even have it. I don't have a career anymore. I mean, who needs a career? Who needs a career? That wasn't like my obsession or anything. <laughs> If there's one thing that we've learned from the pandemic, it's that your career isn't as important as you thought it was. Yeah, for sure. Money is important. Careers, no. And money is only important because other people are making it important. Yeah. 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 So, uh, now we're going to be able to make the show again. Yeah, we are going to try really hard to find a time at least once a month that's yeah. what we're aiming for to start shooting again mm -hmm. um you know pending any new covid film. oh my god oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah we still don't know so of course we can't like promise or guarantee anything but our plan is in 2022 to film one episode a month put, so put one episode out per yeah. month so We'll see. If we make 12 episodes next year, it'll be super cool. Yeah, we really want to. Even if we have to, like, change locations and, like, yes. you know, everything. Yeah, there there probably will be maybe multiple location yes. changes. Uh, as you can see, this is the location change. Um, yes, and the next one could be at your place. Yeah. Could be in a studio. We don't know. Yeah, we really have no idea. Um any of the logistics we're still figuring all of that out but we're gonna we're gonna do our best to make the show we miss making it we miss talking to you guys and hearing from y'all um so yeah we're gonna make the show again um so bear with us as we try to reincorporate our actual personalities into <laughs> speaking to a camera i know it used it we got to a point where it felt super normal to be like the camera is the people and now i'm like i'm talking to a fucking circular light with it is, a little camera inside. It is really weird. It's super weird. So we're transitioning. Yeah, for sure. 
to jump right back into very heavy topics. Yeah, we thought uh, there's no other topic we could do to make our uh, re-debut, our relaunch of the show other than trauma and PTSD and CPTSD. So that's today's yeah. topic. And just how perfect, like, oh, let's go right back into something really gnarly. Yeah, we we thought about like, oh, should it be like a lighter one? But I don't think that really made sense. Like that's no. not really what our show was ever super about. Unless anyway. we're talking about sleeping with aliens. Yeah, even when it was a lighter topic, it was about alien glastics. So we're just gonna launch right into it. So we'll still be right here on YouTube and on all the podcast areas. Areas. <laughs> vicinities the podcast vicinities uh so find us where you usually do and uh let's get into the trauma oh man okay we wrote out our goal with this episode because it is a super heavy topic um so we really Are we recording yeah we're recording i checked okay hi we're recording so we want to discuss the realities of living with trauma PTSD, CPTSD, um, and how that drastically impacts every facet of your life if you're living with it. Um, We're basically experts on this as yeah. we uh, are living with it. Yeah. Um, we each have uh, CPTSD. I think, I don't have this officially diagnosed, but I think I have both PTSD and CPTSD. Mm-hmm. Um, they're similar and also not similar. <laughs> but I do think I have both. Um, We want to hold and practice more compassion for ourselves and others with the realization that so many people live with trauma um, and we have these deep core wounds that we're carrying around that make it really difficult to mm, navigate being a human person on this planet. Functioning period. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like... There's a lot of misguided, like, beliefs about mm-hmm. trauma. Like, a lot of times people are like, oh, trauma is, like, when this horrific, like, next-level movie-scale thing happens to you. So a lot of people that actually do have trauma don't think that they do because they're doing, like, this compare thing yeah. to, like, really, I guess, bigger events. Yes. Um, and that's not actually how trauma works. I think that that plays, like, a piece in, like how people can't self-identify that they're traumatized. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So that's part of, um, you know, challenging our own thought processes and encouraging all of you to challenge your thought processes so that we can better better understand what living with trauma means, but also achieve a better quality of life if you are living with trauma. Yeah. So Um, that's what we hope to shed some light on with this episode. What is trauma? Uh, A very difficult or unpleasant experience that causes someone to have mental or emotional problems, usually for a long time. And that is the definition by, is it Miriam? Yeah. Miriam Webster. It's just the dictionary definition of trauma. Like, obviously, like, the definition differs. um, But one of the things that I actually see that's talked about on TikTok is the definition of trauma, because we're going to reference TikTok a lot now. (laughs) Um is it's not necessarily like the event 
It's mm-hmm. your response to the event because an event can affect two different people two very different ways. Yes. Um, and that's what's really important in understanding it is it's like your your own individual, like almost like your physical body response yes. to an event, yeah. not the event itself. Yeah, like what actually constitutes a traumatic event is subjective. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think that with that definition of trauma, like everyone has experienced trauma of some kind, of course. Yes. It's, again, different in how you internalize the experience, how frequently it happened, was it reoccurring, and that's where like the differentiation comes into play. Yes. Um, I am sure if you are watching this on YouTube, I've already put a content warning for this episode on the screen. But if you're just listening, I'll say basically from here on out, content warning, we won't be graphic about anything, but there will be um, discussion of mental health issues, um, some sexual trauma, rape, stuff like that. So, um, content warning. Yeah. (laughs) Um, we're in- haha. I'm just laughing because that's a heavy thing to say. Like, surprise, GSSW has a content warning. <laughs> so, like, we're not gonna like again go into it really yeah. early detail. We're trying. We're trying to more so just like list things that kind of give you the full spectrum of what it can look like. Yeah, exactly. So, um, I think it's important to understand the difference between PTSD and CPTSD. I know in my own experience. Um, Understanding the difference was a big part of just how I am going about like pursuing treatment and pursuing healing from trauma because mm-hmm. they are different. So treating them, some methods work for PTSD that don't work for CPTSD and the other way around. I feel like they're actually pretty different. Yeah. Um, in the ways that they like can change your actual like identity. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the way it plays out is really different. Although I think maybe the like biochemical mechanisms Mm -hmm. are similar but the way it actually affects you is different and I'm not an expert so maybe I'm completely wrong saying that I don't know um that's another (laughs) point we're obviously not like psychologists or anything however we both have put a lot a lot a lot a lot of time into reading and studying um psychology mental disorders trauma blah 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 so um again like we're not here to be the experts on the topic we are simply sharing the knowledge that we have picked up and some real life experience about it yeah so with that um ptsd this is the uh definition from the american psychiatric association uh psychiatric disorder that may occur in people who have experienced a traumatic event such as a natural disaster a serious accident uh could be terrorist act war combat um also, rape, death threats, sexual violence, serious injury. Um, so, usually PTSD is associated with like one traumatic event or like one big thing that happens, mm-hmm. and you have PTSD from this one time thing. Yeah. Um, also, I think it's this isn't included in the American Psychiatric Association, but I think it's really important to try to have a more intersectional view of these things. Um, yeah. Poverty, racism, sexism, emotional neglect, uh, verbal abuse, assault, chronic illness, all of these things are traumatic too and can cause PTSD and CPTSD. So a lot of times like the baseline definitions you see 
are not including all of these things that are just kind of inherent to especially the United States, which is where we live, but all over the world this kind of shit affects people. And I think there's a lot of stereotypes about even just regular PTSD where at least in America, the big way that it's talked about is we talk about like veterans, soldiers, people that have gone to war that have PTSD. And that's actually like removing the majority of the people that do have PTSD because right. despite the way that it's talked about um, online, people who haven't been soldiers or ever been in war make up the majority yes. of people with PTSD. Train. If you also have like the the similar, I guess, like social molding to associate PTSD with people that have been at war, sure, that is valid, but it's actually more valid or additionally valid mm-hmm. uh, to associate it with people that have never been to war as they make up the majority. Right, um, exactly. So then when it comes to differentiating <laughs> between PTSD and CPTSD, the other thing about CPTSD is that it's actually not in the DSM. Yeah, it's not in the DSM-5, and I know that there's, like, it's kind of a hot topic right now with therapists of, like, why is it not recognized in the DSM-5? Right, right. And we'll go into that more. Um, I'll put either on the screen or in the show notes where we got this definition, because for some reason we didn't put it in our outline, It's probably, we're a little rusty. It's probably the same as, like, all of the other ones. Yeah, it just probably is. Seen listed. So CPTSD is a psychological disorder that can develop in response to prolonged repeated experience of interpersonal trauma in a context in which the individual has little or no chance of escape. The main distinctions are a distortion of the person's core identity and significant emotional dysregulation associated with chronic sexual, psychological, physical abuse, or neglect Mm-hmm. Chronic intimate partner violence, kidnapping, hostage situation, slavery, human trafficking, etc. Obviously, there's more examples. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like one of the biggest like differences is that it is a repeat of these things. Yes. So like a one-time instance will likely land someone with just PTSD. Complex PTSD is where either you have something that happens multiple times or you have a mixture of these things that we listed. And it has such a significant psychological effect on you that it like changes how your brain now responds to things that have nothing to do with the threat. Yes, and we'll go into the um, what's often called fight or flight, but physiologically, it's important to understand like the having no chance of escape or not being able to leave a situation or just being trapped in the situation for whatever the reason is is why it leaves you with this long-term disorder because of the physiological process of your body responding to that over and over again. It changes the physical structure of your brain. Yeah. It can fracture your identity. It can create personality disorders. Like, it just, it has a very, like, wide spectrum of damage that it can do. Yes. And so trauma... PTSD, CPTSD have a lot of comorbidities and things that they can lead to, such as, like you said, personality disorders, mood disorders, but also things that you wouldn't think of, like autoimmune diseases and chronic illnesses and chronic pain. Um, 
psychosis, disordered eating, and substance abuse and addiction, as well as just anxiety and depression or comorbidities yeah. of it as well. Um, I think that a lot of times when we, I mean, I know this is like kind of the old school, like psychiatric way of looking at things is for a long time, we feel like we have like separated physical from mental and we are finally now getting on the same page that they're really one and the same. Yes. So like, uh, these mental disorders actually physically change your body. Yes. And not just in the instance that it happens, but like, unfortunately, and a lot of times permanently. Yeah. So, uh, just to give like a personal anecdote, my psychiatrist and I believe that I live with chronic pain and my psychiatrist and I think that it is most likely a result of trauma. Mm -hmm. So I do have like the physical symptoms of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, my psychiatrist also thinks that my um, gnarly migraines that I get are likely a result of chronic trauma. <laughs> so it's, it's wild that all of these things that frequently are um, unexplained or undiagnosed. I remember there was a TV show called like Mystery Diagnosis. Like mm -hmm. you are looked at over and over and over again by different doctors and specialists and they can't figure out what the cause is. And a lot of autoimmune disorders, we still don't fully understand. We're learning more and more that it's related to stuff that's going on in your brain. <laughs> a lot of it is. Yeah. So yes, before our battery died, we're re-remembering how to do this. Um, <laughs> we were just saying uh, a lot of times there are physical side effects, migraines, chronic pain, autoimmune stuff, and we're realizing and doctors are realizing now, psychiatrists, psychologists are realizing um, that we uh, are having all these physical effects and it's from trauma. Yeah. And I think that hopefully over the next five years, the medical community will begin to change into like a more progressive stance on these things instead of like having this like deep separation between the two. Um, I think that they're going to be forced to yeah. because of all of the new data that's coming out about. Hi, Pink. Guest starring. Oh, and this is, uh, we actually have an expert on the show now. Yeah, this is, I don't even know if she's in the frame. She's not. Come Pinky, on. come on, you gotta do it. Come on, little baby. Yeah, this is my cat, Pinky. That's Pinky. This is Pinky. Say hi. Say hi, Pinky. Um, she's a traumatized animal. Yeah. So, yeah, she like, you know, perfect match. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think that with all the new data coming out about like how much people are being really affected by mental health disorders, crises, etc. Um, I think that, that is going to force the rest of the world to catch up and adjust to this new information. I agree. Uh, and we can only hope that that's the direction that it actually goes. Um, yeah. I mean, that was all news to me in the pretty recent past, like the last few years. Yeah, I, I feel like one of the biggest, I think, moments was somewhat recently when we found out that we qualified to get the booster um, as like part of like a high risk group. Yeah. Because of having yes. like 
depression, anxiety, uh, PTSD, like anything that com like really disrupts your mm -hmm. mental state. And that can make you immune compromised. Yes. <laughs> Surprise. I do think it's important to note that women are twice as likely <laughs> as men to have PTSD and CPTSD. Um, so wonder why. People who are raised as women uh, get fucked by trauma. By everything, really. Uh, men are often perpetrators of trauma, I think is what we can perhaps take away from that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, that, I mean, it is, there definitely is a connection between um, the different ways that men and women respond to even trauma. Yes. Men are more likely when faced with abuse or trauma mm -hmm. to become abusive themselves later in life, even if this happened in their childhood, whereas uh, women are more likely to repeat the, re cycle. repeat the cycle by like putting them in situations with abusive people. Right. Um, Which is actually a, a trauma response. Yeah. <laughs> Both of these are technically trauma responses. Yeah. It's just that statistically men are more likely to become abusive when yeah. having had abuse and women are more likely to be abused again. Yeah. Uh, sad and true. Mm -hmm. Um, we also want to highlight, um, I guess while we're still defining terms and all of that, just that childhood trauma can be so much more than what you typically hear about. Again, kind of the theme with all of this. Um, so of course we know about, I mean, not of course, but we know about neglect, outright physical abuse, um, emotional, mental abuse, verbal, sexual abuse, and parents with substance abuse. I feel like those are all kind of maybe obvious ways that unfortunately children go through trauma uh, growing up, but also parentification is a big way mm -hmm. that you can be traumatized as a child. That's when you need to act as a parent to one or both of your parents or a guardian figure in your life. Yeah, like it can look like um, one of your parents uh, speaking to you when you're a child about their marital problems and like emotionally confiding in you in a way that they would with like a therapist or a friend. Mm -hmm. That will seriously like stunt your development <coughs> as a child. It will. Um, other experiences that can be traumatic are things that you don't always have to have an abusive parent or parents to experience childhood trauma. It could just be maybe you had an absent parent and it's because they were a single working parent or a death in the family caused them to no longer be present or mm -hmm. another family member having an illness and needing a full-time carer, all, yeah. all kinds of things. Like having an absent parent doesn't always mean the parent didn't want to be there, but the result yeah. is still traumatic for the child mm -hmm. and I think um, a big process of therapy is like maybe realizing the role your childhood plays in your trauma that you were living with but also not always falling into parent blaming but more like just understanding what happened. <laughs> I think that the process is really complicated because it, it is important I feel like especially in the initial stages of dealing with uh, childhood trauma in holding the people responsible that are responsible regardless of the circumstances. Yes. I then think that there there is a potential for the second piece of healing to be maybe depending on the circumstances um, using some understanding 
to mm -hmm. like I mean, it really depends on the circumstances it's exactly um it's always circumstantial but empathy where it makes sense um of course boundaries as mm -hmm. I know we have episodes discussing mm -hmm. are are so important other things could be maybe one or both of the parents had a personality disorder themselves um, but also, again, to look at things that are often not spoken about, poverty, uh, living in a food desert, food malnourishment, um, all kinds of things like that, that are just a result of living under capitalism are traumatic. <laughs> That's something that I think is really cool about um, like new age therapists, like younger therapists for the most part, mm -hmm. um, is that part yeah, of what they talk to you about is that capitalism is traumatizing it is and having that validated is really really important especially like because that wasn't looked at as valid up until pretty recently by most therapists absolutely i think we're all getting a little more radical in our viewpoint but we're all just understanding the massive impact that the system we grew up under the system we work under the system we experience everything under um is bad for us <laughs> it's unhealthy yeah. uh it's not okay we aren't set up to thrive if you're in the working class <laughs> so yeah basically like our systems are in place to ensure that there's going to be continuous labor and profit yeah there wasn't ever a factor in there for um mental health across the board for everyone Right. Um, and we are now very much seeing the effects of that. Which is the cool thing about the internet because you always, of course, it's great to be able to have access to experts, professionals, but not everyone does. Um, you know, our healthcare, even if you have health insurance, it doesn't cover mental health care most of the time. And if it does, it's usually just a small percentage of those costs. So being able to get information through the internet from people who are going to therapy or people who are therapists themselves is amazing just being able to share the knowledge our collective learning we can kind of collectively heal which hey is pretty anti-capitalist isn't mm -hmm. it <laughs> i think that is one like as much as we talk about how awful the internet is one thing that i do find really cool is that oh pink don't bite pinky um, oh, you drool too. Oh, pink. A wet bite. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, yeah, you're a drool girl. She is. <laughs> um, I think that uh, platforms like TikTok, where there are real therapists on there that are taking time out of like, you know, their day where they're already working and doing like this type of job, they're going onto social media and providing information for free yeah to help people and i think that that can be incredibly helpful absolutely so we're going to list um some different tiktok users creators uh to look at and just other resources um where you can get kind of free or much cheaper access mm -hmm. to be doing healing work whether it's like financially possible for you to be working directly with a trauma-informed therapist or not so we'll definitely include some links especially to uh there's like a new subgroup of therapists that are using the like the terminology inclusive therapist to really expand upon 
like what traditional therapy was targeting, mm-hmm. making sure that everyone is included, like everyone with any type of issue is all going to be understood. Yep. And this is something that's growing and growing, so we'll definitely include some links to how to find therapists that classify as that. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we kind of defined the terms, talked about uh, a brief overview of types of therapies and approaches and how you can get more access than ever before to therapy or therapists themselves. Um, So let's also talk about some of the physiological stuff that causes PTSD. So when you've experienced an event that was traumatic for you, what causes PTSD and CPTSD? Um, It's your nervous system responding to a threat Uh, And it's frequently called the fight or flight response, but there's actually like four responses. Um, So it's a lot more nuanced, of course, like everything is. There's way more nuance um, than at a first glance. So fight and flight we're pretty familiar with, right? Um, Something threatening happens to you or something that your body on a deep level perceives as a threat um, or perceives as impairing your safety happens. Um, fight means you want to meet that threat aggressively. Yeah. So everyone's going to have like a different response mm-hmm. and I don't really think you're not going to be able to predict it until you're in the situation. Like you can be like, Oh, I know what I would do in this situation. And you don't. Right. It's a gamble. Yeah. And it's just your nervous system picking for you. Yeah. Uh, you don't really have any kind of autonomy in this situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Fight, you're going to meet the threat head-on, aggressively. Um, Flight is like you literally want to physically get away. Yeah, like a lot of times people describe this as like their legs started moving before like their brain could even process what was Mm -hmm. happening. Like they're already being taken away. Yes. Um, Freeze is exactly what it sounds like. You freeze up. uh, You almost like blank out. You can't think, you can't move, you can't do anything. You are frozen. It's like being paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then fawn, I feel like this is the least talked about one. Yeah. Um, is you're immediately going to try to like almost like if it's a person threatening you, you're going to like plead with them. Like you're going to try to do what yeah. you can to like please that person so that they will stop threatening you. Yeah, it's it's something that's done out of extreme fear where, like, your brain makes the connection to, like, I think that my survival will be higher if I can almost, like, connect with, reason with, or use my humanity to, like, diffuse the situation with the predator person. Right. So I feel like that one is the least talked about because fight, flight, and freeze makes sense for, like, a car crash, but a car crash isn't, like, a situation that your body's going to be, like well, let me uh, just talk my way through this, exactly. you know? Um, so that one's kind of the lesser talked about one. Mm-hmm. Um, but all four are, like, just ways that your body, like, on a deep level is, like, this is how I'm going to survive this situation. Mm-hmm. This is becoming somewhat of a tradition. It's the next day. <laughs> yeah. Um, our camera kind of was acting wild and it got really late and so now it's the next day. We're going to continue. We're going to pick up where we left off, but we unfortunately lost like a whole segment that we filmed. So we're going to be redoing that, but that was just the practice version. This is going to be better. 
Hopefully. Hopefully. <sighs> Basically, with uh, CPTSD, when you have like repeat scenarios where like your um, nervous system and everything is activated <clears throat> in its unique way, um, it basically rewires your brain to where you become, well, I guess it can go in either direction. You can become hypervigilant or like you perceive things as threats quite often and then you can go into your like fight, flight, freeze, fawn mm -hmm. uh, situation. Um, and then you just have like an overactive nervous system um, and that can make your life quite complicated. Absolutely. If you're like having, <laughs> you could be having like adrenaline released, um, you could be completely shutting down and like becoming like dissociative and paralyzed almost. Um, and yeah, it just, those repeat experiences, uh, they really do shape you. Yeah, it can also happen from, um, not just from like repeatedly having your fight or flight response triggered, but also from like having that response blocked. Yeah. So if you're, if your instinct is to run, but you are like physically incapacitated or somehow you can't run, then you just have all that coursing through your body and you can't like fulfill it. So that can also lead to PTSD mm -hmm. or CPTSD. Um, or at least it's believed that that is the cause. Um, so yeah, it and then it makes you get stuck in that time. That's kind of what causes it to like fracture your memories and timeline about those events. Yeah, like your brain's ability to differentiate between the past and the present basically disappears. Yeah, so then you get basically when you encounter a trigger you are kind of immediately transported back to that situation on like a physiological level yeah and it's not a lot of times it's not something that you're consciously aware of like you're not rethinking about the right. past and things your brain is very much rooted in the present but subconsciously you are actually just reliving the um feelings and physical responses to the past but almost like taking those physical responses and tying it to like a present day scenario even if the present day scenario doesn't warrant it your brain is just like this is what we're doing yeah yeah exactly so a lot of times people talk about uh flashbacks and stuff but often your triggers don't give you like visual flashbacks so you're not really aware that you're stuck in the past you're just kind of experiencing the same responses and same feelings from the past mm -hmm. but you it that's what makes it difficult to make the connection yeah. and why um you can kind of like find new fun and exciting triggers that you didn't even know about yeah <laughs> and that's another reason why a lot of people with trauma and ptsd like don't even know that they have PTSD exactly because they are convinced that what they're experiencing is rooted in the present because consciously you don't know yeah like you feel like it's rooted in the present but it's not exactly so that's what makes it such a complicated thing to navigate mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and then your body having that happen over and over and over again that's where you start to have like really um 
I guess you're like having a higher chance of developing more physical issues from that, like autoimmune issues. Yeah, that's that's why when you actually think about it, it really makes a lot of sense what a physical toll it has it takes on your body. Oh yeah, yeah. So we kind of now know the mechanism of how we get traumatized. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so what are some common coping mechanisms and ways that people deal with, carry out, live with, survive with their trauma? Well, Sarah, I never thought you'd ask. <laughs> um, so it can be a ton of different things. Everyone kind of has like their own thing that fits with their personality or lifestyle that's like their coping mechanism. Um, but it can range from perfectionism, being a workaholic, avoidance, inability to trust, codependency, substance abuse problems, promiscuity, hypersexuality, hyposexuality, self-harm, disordered eating, and self-isolation. And the list could go on. And on and on and on and on. It really can affect every aspect of your life mm-hmm. and... It's it. I feel like it's this thing that has such far-reaching like tentacles. Oh yeah, and it gets it works its way into your whole freaking being, um, your identity. Like I, I think a lot of people <clears throat> living with trauma struggle with sense of self, sense of identity. Oh yeah, because it really works its tentacles into everything. That's. Um, I feel like that's one thing that like is underplayed with trauma or maybe just not spoken about enough is that like when you have especially repetitive chronic trauma Mm -hmm. um it infects every single part of your life whether you're consciously aware of it or not it really does it really really does and i think that's what makes healing such an up and down back and forth um thing to Mm -hmm. do i feel like it's really good that uh, we're now way more accepting that healing is not linear. It's not oh, going yeah. to be linear. It's a journey that you're on forever. It's a journey that you're on forever. Um, forever, ever, 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 ever. <laughs> um, so I think that's, I can take some comfort in that mm-hmm. and have a little more compassion for myself and knowing that it's, I think when I first, in my early 20s was like I went through some shit that I'm gonna have to deal with and heal from I thought I would reach you know I'm at point a I thought I would reach point z yeah I knew it was gonna take a long time but I still thought there would be like an end point where I'd be like and I'm done I am healed wipe my hands clean of that I'm healed yeah it's just not how it works all better I wish it was like it'd be so sick if like you could be like I'm going to really do some work on this and then I'll be a different person. And like, (laughs) I mean, you'll change in some ways, but, um, it really is like a commitment. Like healing is a commitment that you have for the rest of your life. Yeah. Which I think goes into kind of, um, how you have to have a relationship with yourself and Mm -hmm. care for yourself and, uh, be, be kind to yourself and give yourself grace and uh, kind of almost embrace yourself, hold your own hand uh, to get through it. So. Yeah, and this can be like um, just advocating for yourself. Reparenting is a big thing that's spoken about a lot. Um, but you 
almost kind of have to treat yourself as if like you are the protector of a child and like it being like almost like your inner child yeah um and you have to show up for yourself and take care of yourself like on every type of level um so it's, it's a very interesting relationship dynamic that you have to form with yourself it's really true um you the inner child thing at, at least in my own experience has been a really big part of it because it it does start to almost feel literal it, it does. doesn't really feel like my figurative inner child it's like no, no like she's in there like she's really in there <laughs> and you can kind of test it sometimes like one of the things that i learned from therapy is like when you're having moments of like a lot of emotional things going on, a lot of intensity, to ask yourself how old you feel in that moment. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of times you can identify like, mm-hmm. oh, I actually feel like my angsty like 13 year old self. Not everyone can make the connection to like the age thing, but some people can and it can be really helpful. I'm able to do it, especially in certain situations. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And, and then I also sometimes have an inclination, uh, it's almost like doubling down on like maybe victimhood where I'm yep. like, I want to be that age. I just want to be yeah. young and I want someone else to take care of me. That is a big thing. Yeah. I, I struggle <laughs> with that too. And I read that like that can be that whatever like age you kind of like want to live in or revert back to, or it can even be like an era. Like some people yeah. are like, I wish it was this year. Mm-hmm. Um, that usually has to do with you not being able to live out that part of your life in like an age appropriate way Uh uh-huh or yeah like so like if you oftentimes you're like god i just wish i was a teenager i want to be a teenager i want to act like a teenager it's likely that in your teenage years something happened that kept you from truly being able to like have the full experience of being a teen yep and you want it. Yep. You crave it. It mm-hmm. feels like a craving. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. I mean, I think you can kind of, it's easy to kind of like look at all these different layers of it and sort of take yourself out of it and be like, wow, that's so interesting and yeah. strange. It really is strange mm-hmm. the more you take a higher view of it and, and less of your like uh, immediate perception of it. I think that you're able to do that when you get to the point where you can not be your feelings. Yes. Yeah. And that's, I think, like, kind of the very first step in, like, truly doing inner work and healing is to observe your feelings Mm -hmm. and not be your feelings. Yeah. We are the watcher. We are the witness Mm -hmm. of our own consciousness. Wild. Wild. Ooh. Um, (laughs) So with trauma especially unhealed trauma but even with healed trauma you can still find yourself doing these things it's all about creating the awareness to put the brakes on um you can seek out things that are familiar to your trauma without you making the conscious connection to it yeah um so like if you had an abusive dynamic with a parent um you may seek it out in a partner, in a friendship, in something later in your life. Or mm-hmm. you can go on like the completely opposite side where you basically, you 
project almost like the characters of your trauma onto new people and new situations. Yes. So you can read a situation just wrong. You'll just yeah. read it totally wrong. But it's because there's enough similarities yeah. that it can be misinterpreted or seem like something that it isn't. I this guess. is where nuance like comes into play because like just because a couple of things can seem similar doesn't mean it's the exact same thing. Yes. But the trauma brain doesn't know nuance. It is all polarized thinking. It is either I am in danger, this is the same, or I'm safe. Yeah, and so because of that, you can end up almost, I don't want to say self-sabotaging. I mean, but kind of, what that is. it's kind of self-sabotaging where a situation will not be one thing, but that's all you can see. All you can do is kind of like project, paste this other thing on top of your reality because that's like just such a prime example of like when you don't handle your trauma or like deal with it and it's unhealed within your body and in your memory um it has to go somewhere and it's not just going to sit in the back of your head it's actually running the show Mm -hmm. and until you can like turn and look at it and deal with it in like the i guess like era that it occurred in it's going to repaint your perception of reality and almost like become like a like a projector yes like a projection screen onto new situations and new people yeah and it it will be the same plot over and over and over it really will you can be like wow how do i always end up in this situation as you're you're projecting that situation yeah like, yeah. and that goes for both sides of, like, seeking out versus projecting. Like, if you feel like you're in reoccurring scenarios, there's a trauma cycle happening. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing to understand is that it's so cyclical and it's so polarized. Yep. So it really can, it, I mean, it blocked me from fully living my life, fully being myself mm-hmm. or even having the ability to even think like do I even know myself yeah for a long time and a lot of that can come from like a fractured identity within development like if you're young and you have traumatic events happen even as a young adult um your development is stunted Mm -hmm. and it leaves almost like if we could visualize it as like gaps in your identity and when there's gaps in your identity it can be really scary yeah because you try to fill the gaps instead of developing them yeah next we have hurt people hurt people although i do feel like we said that yesterday yeah we we talked about like how statistically men typically become abusers and women become abused again yeah but i also think that hurt people hurt people goes on both sides yeah even if you're not being abusive you could be in you know unfair to a partner or um uh there's just so many ways that you can end up like if you're projecting a situation Mm -hmm. that you're not in but it feels like you're in that situation like you're not doing anything malicious but it's still putting strain or hurting people around you yeah and that's kind of the thing about like if we're just going to even call trauma pain at this point Mm -hmm. like undealt with pain that lives in you you're going to act 
in a not great way and you will hurt the people around you because you're not even seeing the world or like anything for what it is it's like a lens yeah um and through that your actions lack of actions whatever you want to call it will hurt the people around you yeah not even just like romantically like friendships like work situations your family like you name it yeah all of it and Mm -hmm. and yourself you know your relationship with yourself is hurt by it as well yeah so we want to talk about um the healing journey what some beginning steps can be and then what uh are treatment avenues there's lots of different types of treatments and there's of course lots of conflicting opinions um so we're gonna go into all that stuff yeah i think um as far as like identifying and like helping yourself you can obviously take a lot of different pathways with this um Obviously, like, the way I would recommend is going to a trauma-informed therapist, but there are things outside of therapy that you can also do that can just create, like, more self-awareness and, you Mm -hmm. know, I guess do work individually. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of different things, so just throwing a couple out there. (laughs) Um, I think that ways to create self-awareness for what's happening inside of you is, like, step one. Yeah. Um, so being aware of when you feel intensity, um, so everyone experiences intensity differently. Um, I can only speak from my personal experience. Uh, so for me, when I feel like an extreme emotional, uh, reaction and then the physical like reaction to it. So like my chest will feel like it's caving in. I get tingling nerve sensation through my cheeks. Um, that is a sign that you were having like a trauma trigger activated. And when you feel something like that, I can tell you that the best thing that you can do is to pause and not respond. Yeah. Really, really, really important because your body is going to want you to respond, especially with that charged emotional energy. It's almost like scratching an itch. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, it can feel good to respond. Yeah, because yeah. you have you have like adrenaline pumping, like you could be in fight or flight, like it's It's a lot. So I think like creating the pause effect Mm -hmm. is really, really important. Um, And being like, okay, I'm experiencing these things. I know that this is a trauma trigger. And when I'm experiencing a trauma trigger, I know that the worst thing I can do is to immediately respond or make important decisions. Yeah, don't make (laughs) important decisions. Don't engage in like an argument based on those feelings. You know, I mean, of course, I'm like, don't do it, but like, I've spent a lot of my life doing exactly what I'm saying don't do. Um, but, yeah, that pause effect, like, uh, what's going on here, actually? Yeah. Wait just a second. What's going on here? What's and then, this really about? Yeah, and then, like, you don't even have to fully know what it's about, but then taking, like, a moment to distance yourself and, like, regulate your own body sensations and feelings is so important. And that's when journaling, tracking it, um, there's probably, like, apps, honestly. Yeah, there's, like, apps for everything. Yeah. Um, Um, Cold compresses can help. Like, apparently any type of temperature shift that's extreme almost, like, resets part of your brain. It does, actually. Yeah, yeah. Temperature therapy, cold therapy is super, super helpful. Seems wild, but is super helpful. Exercise. Because, again... So much of trauma is physiological. Exactly. And then it's like, that's 
it plays out in all these ways inside your brain Mm -hmm. and your brain and your physiology are almost there there's they're one and the same but not are but they are but they're not (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) so I mean this can range from doing hot or cold compresses uh going and taking a shower uh exercise can actually reset you too exercise is a big one for me of course you can always take things too far you can over exercise um I think I exercise I don't fall back on as much as I used to um or at least not in extreme ways uh yeah because that can actually yoga taking a walk these things are exercise it doesn't have to be high intensity interval training because those will increase your stress hormones it could spike your cortisol that's another thing is like timing you can do different things to mess with the timing of when your body is cortisol peaking yes um this is so important so a way to do that is light therapy yes so getting if you have access to actual real sunlight not filtered through a window but like outside getting if it's direct sunlight you can do like 10 minutes but Mm -hmm. if it's through cloud cover or light rain 30 minutes yeah doing that when you wake up before you have caffeine will help your body regulate its cortisol better and release cortisol in more like optimal times in also in accordance with like your circadian rhythm like there's all these little like yeah it can be kind of like pretentious biohacking type stuff um but a lot of stuff is useful (laughs) yeah because if you get through the joe rogan bros and then find yeah. find the advice that's actually useful <laughs> yeah because cortisol does play like a major role in this if you have chronic stress problems you're probably flooded with cortisol all the time uh-huh. that's going to increase your stress it's going to make you really angry if you have these types of things going on or you suspect that you do like she was saying about uh working out do not do things that are like high intensity on your body because then you're going to release more stress hormones and you can go into like rage fits totally rage fits it will also again it'll affect your sleep it'll affect your appetite it can affect so many things so working out really means like being physical being embodied being in your body um because then you can uh regulate that stuff in like a natural way and Um, movement also is said to help um like store trauma in the body so like i guess keeping your blood flowing and moving your body like people do dance therapy yep it really does work yep a great one for me um is taking a bath being in water Water. being in water and that's on that's on a spiritual level like on a physical level like being submerged in water Water is like i mean i know people are going to roll their eyes at the astrology i'm a water sign we're both water (laughs) signs Um, and I can tell you that water is like one of the most therapeutic things for me ever. It really is. It, I need, I'm a mermaid. I'm a mermaid. (laughs) I am a mermaid. Confirmed. I like, obviously like I would, I'm not going to sit in the shower for hours because I'm like, oh, that's pretty smooth water. But if I could, I'd probably sit in the shower literally half of the day. Uh, same and I've literally been able to stop my body from going into a full-blown panic attack just by running a bath or stepping in the shower yeah and feeling the water it it helps me feel so embodied instead of getting caught up in all that fight or flight 
shit being pumped through me yep. and running with that and carrying that to its fullest extent, which is a full-blown panic attack yep. for me, at least in my experience. If I instead put myself in water, take some deep breaths, and just feel my breath, feel the water around me. Because you're being pulled back into your body at that point. A mm -hmm. lot of like trauma, it, it takes pulled, you out of your body. It takes you out of your body and again, out of the present. Yeah. Um, so we both obviously are highly recommending uh, water. Yep. Water. Um, but <laughs> another thing, like there's so many small things. So... Um, some things that some people need to be careful with is caffeine because yeah. again stress hormones caffeine releases it it pumps it through your body if you already have an issue with stress hormones or anger caffeine is not your friend it's not your friend it's so not. you could look at other sources of caffeine like not energy drinks not coffee maybe tea i, t I typically have a better experience with tea and coffee than energy drinks <laughs> i mean everyone's really different because like for me it it doesn't really matter what the source is like i've tried switching to things that have l-theanine theanine mm -hmm. i don't know how to say it um in it because that's also supposed to calm you so mm -hmm. like it's supposed to help counterbalance the caffeine however i did genetic testing oh my god was that this year yeah i think this year yeah and part of what came back is that i have an extreme sensitivity to caffeine which i already knew mm -hmm. um but sometimes having that shit confirmed on paper is like okay fine you can actually <laughs> find out a lot about like gene mutations in your body uh through the genetic testing yeah would highly recommend yeah mm-hmm yeah, so, I mean, that's another avenue is, like, getting your blood work done, doing yes. a mouth swab and having genetic testing done and figuring out things that are about your physicality, your physical body and your genetics and your makeup um, and then kind of, kind of trying to live in alignment with that. So if you have access to, with, to those things absolutely uh explore that because yeah it's again it's healing is so much about knowing yourself and understanding yourself and also witnessing yourself and there's so many things that like little small things that can come into play with that like even down to what you eat yep like i was reading about people with celiac that were like suffering from like really gnarly depression and as soon as they stopped eating wheat pro or products they were fine yeah. So, like, never underestimate how many actual small factors go into, like, regulating your emotional state. Like, it's just, it's not just one thing. Yeah, it's really not just one thing. That's why you have to look at the whole picture. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and find, like, what is your unique thing that helps you feel more rational and grounded and safe. Yep. Um, it can take a while to figure that out. And it's different for everyone, so, like, what works for, like, your friends or family or partner may not be the thing that works for you. Mm -hmm. But it's definitely worth it to take the time and prioritize and find what that is for you. Yeah, because life when you're calm is a whole different reality than life when you are, like, racing hard, stressed, like, feeling like you're not safe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone deserves to experience that. Uh, calmness and peace mm -hmm. it does kind of take a lot of education um and you almost make yourself like a project i know it's it's <laughs> it's it's hard especially like if you have like obsessive tendencies yeah me and sarah are very well acquainted with this mm -hmm. you can kind of go off the deep end too well and i um 
I spent almost a decade in the health and wellness industry and I think the self-help industry, health and wellness industry, and maybe eventually we'll see this get co-opted with mental health stuff too, unfortunately, is profit-driven. And so making us feel like we are a constant project and we're imperfect and like we can reach that magical end state if we just consume more, whether it's information, programs, um, apps and books, like you can stay on this endless cycle. So it's, it's, um, conflicting almost that yes, healing is a forever journey, Yeah, but also don't, we have to resist this self-help trap of like never being done and never being good enough. Like, so for me, that's come in kind of like the form of taking breaks yes from it if you're if you're a person who does things in extremes like us Mm -hmm. then it may work that way where like you go really hard on it for a pretty long period of time yeah and then you take a break for a while yeah and and taking that break lets you notice like what I did actually led to improvements that's another reason journaling is really important pinky get up pinky what you get off the counter anyways um, yeah, but that, those breaks are a time of reflection, um, and you can see if what you invested your time or your money into is having, like, an actual positive impact, what or... What you need to work on next. Right, exactly. So, that's I, important, and, again, healing is really hard. You can't just keep it up forever. It's like how you can't, uh, run a marathon every day. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, um... It definitely takes a toll on you. That is one thing that I feel like isn't talked about enough with trauma processing specifically mm-hmm. is you definitely, unfortunately, get worse before you get better. And I think that that can push a lot of people away. But I think it's important to know that when you're going into it because when you take things that are pushed down and hidden in your body and then let them out, your body can basically re-experience it. Mm -hmm. So if there are things that you have not fully dealt with, when you go and process them, it's going to feel like it just happened yesterday. And that takes a mental and physical toll on you that I greatly underestimated. Yeah. Um, But it's part of like the cycle of it. Yeah. It gets worse and then it can get better. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of goes through that phase that cycle and the breaks can be really important because you also don't want to like overload yourself with work Mm -hmm. like inner work Mm -hmm. um and get yourself to a point where like you are so checked out burnt out dysfunctional um and I think that you have to really check in with yourself and gauge where you're at I personally did that. I know that I did that to myself where I went so hard on it that I completely shut down and couldn't function. Yeah. And then took a break, coming back to it, and it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I've had to take a couple of breaks, and I'm kind of... I'm not... I wouldn't say I'm fully in a break right now, but I also have shifted the area that I'm focusing on. Yeah. Um, that's another thing, too. It's like you don't have to look at all of it all at once because we've talked about how it's got these tentacles. It, it in, infects almost every part of your life. So you don't have to, like, 
do all of it all at once. It's not going to work that way. You can take little pieces. Yeah. Um, so focus, maybe, maybe this piece over here is like the hardest and it's like, oh my God, that's taking everything out of me or I'm really afraid to even look in that direction. Work on something smaller, easier, but that will still lead to, you know, improvements in your, in your life and in your well-being. Yeah, and, and, like, the areas that aren't as hard, like, when you're building up, like, a mental tolerance and strength to that, it's going to make it easier to look and deal with the things that are scarier. Yeah. So, there's lots of different approaches to therapy for trauma. There's lots of different treatment avenues. Um, so, we're going to get into some of those. Uh, we have experience with some. Uh and our look ourselves looking into like trying kind of new tr like directions with treatment and healing therapy is rapidly changing it's definitely changing i think in a lot of good ways um i, I think we mentioned last night how more and more therapists are realizing the role of capitalism mm -hmm. <laughs> um in kind of everything um in in our mental health especially and knowing that, it's like, okay, so the most common or prevalent type of therapy is cognitive behavior therapy, which is talk therapy based on, like, your thoughts. And it's kind of like, if you change your thoughts, you change your outcomes. Yeah, the premise is basically that, like, your reality is controlled by your thoughts. Which, I see that idea not just within therapy, but also within, like, a lot of spiritual like you hear a lot of like spiritual online guru type people talking about like law of attraction positive thoughts positive outcomes that kind of stuff and it's like maybe that's true at like a base level there's there's some truth to it but it is not the full picture it just isn't the full picture and when you're living under capitalism especially it's really never going to be the full picture we don't yeah. we don't have Autonomy, and you can't you can't think your way out of an oppressive and shitty system. That's what's like really really important is like CBT can help with a level of mindfulness and self awareness, which I do think is like kind of one of the first steps. Absolutely. However, it is not the full approach, and it doesn't take into account oppression or systemic related anything. Yeah, and it also doesn't take into account like intrusive thoughts which are a huge symptom of trauma or i have ocd i have intrusive thoughts and if i was my thoughts i would hate myself same and a big part of like the shame i've experienced in my life is about the intrusive thoughts i have and then feeling like am i a bad person like yeah am i baseline a bad person because you don't actually get to pick your thoughts you don't get to control your thoughts and that's one thing that i do feel cbt does not work for ocd and if you know that you have ocd and your therapist is only taking a cbt approach i'm telling you right now no it's it can work for other things but if you have ocd you really need to do a specialized approach yeah it's not cbt yeah it's it's not going to be cbt so there CBT can be helpful, um, and and I mean a lot of people have really good outcomes from it for sure. And yeah. I've personally had like some good outcomes from it as well. But again, I think it's just not it's not the whole picture. It has limits for sure. 
Um, another big one is the practice of EMDR. Yes. Um, so this is kind of interesting for Gaia and I to talk about because we've both done EMDR and this is part of, um, why I think that in addition to my CPTSD, I probably have just like elements of like regular old PTSD because I've had a lot of success with EMDR and I realized that that success is based in targeting very specific events, like Like a one-time isolated thing. Like this thing happened, let's do EMDR about Mm -hmm. it. So we've talked about EMDR, but it's eye movement, Eye movement. I don't know. It has to do with rapid eye movement. It's <laughs> it's basically you're moving your eyes left to right, or you're holding something that like stimulates left to right brain. Um, it was discovered from taking a walk and re- realizing as you walk, you're looking left and right, and the process of moving your eyes left to right actually like shuts down stress parts of the brain. Yeah, I'm a scientist, and I'm not. Um, and so with those stress parts of the brain kind of like turned off, you're able to reprocess, which is what the R stands for in EMDR. I know it stands for reprocessing. Um, uh, it lets you reprocess traumatic events without those, without feeling like you're there or without feeling like you're experiencing it. So it's almost like you get to look at those memories, look at those events without, all the distressing sensations and feelings that come with it and then you're able to reprocess it yeah like almost like the the rational like embodiment that you have in that moment to look back is supposed to change the way that you feel about the event and what comes up from it Mm -hmm. that is the theory of it Mm -hmm. um and it has been successful for a lot of people like it's been some people are like this is what like saved my life yeah i didn't have the same experience with it um i think i had like one or two sessions where i was like okay i i think it did something but then all the other times i tried it didn't work for me because I think that I can't get to, like, the level of depth with it because I start dissociating. And so, like, if you're dissociating, you can't really do the whole reprocessing work because you're not even, like, in your body. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's some evidence that it may not work as well for CPTSD. Yeah. Um, because that's less of one traumatic event that you can revisit. It's... you. It's, with EMDR, you kind of pick a target to focus on. And it's like, let's focus on these five years. Like you can't, you can't really do that. Yeah. Um, so EMDR is definitely something to consider and something to look into. I found it super helpful. Um, but I know that that's not... For some people, they're like, that was the thing. Yes. That was the thing. And I know that I need more and there's going to be a next thing for me. But it definitely was and has been like a huge important part of my therapy journey Mm -hmm. for sure. I think that like depending on what your diagnosis is or what you struggle with can really dictate like what your pathway to healing can be. Um, So other ways, um, DBT is starting to become a lot more talked about and it was like kind of stereotypically known through the years as being like, the only therapy approach to borderline personality disorder, but now 
people are finding like no it actually works for a multitude of things like anything that involves um someone struggling with emotional intensity um impulsive behavior and mood swings which goes way beyond borderline Mm -hmm. dbt can really really help um teaching yourself to not think in polarized statements Mm -hmm. is life-changing life-changing absolutely um and there's workbooks that you can get i just got one i have one yeah um so that's something you can kind of do on your own Mm -hmm. um but you can also do it with uh professional as well i think that dbt is a good second step because if you don't create the awareness of like your own thought patterns and things like that that I don't know if DBT will yeah. be as effective, but that's just my personal opinion. Yeah, I don't, I don't know either. Um, those are kind of like the most popular things, but then within therapy itself, you can break it down into so many different categories. There's internal family systems is a new one. That's it's a, not new, but it's like being talked about yeah, more. Yeah, it's being talked about more because um, a lot of like newer and more progressive therapists are taking different approaches to trauma. And that is one of the ones that I hear talked mm-hmm. about the most. I'm really interested in it. I'm really interested in it too, but I also don't feel like I can say anything about it because I have no exactly. experience with it. I don't either yet. Yeah. Um, another one is, uh, so just going down the categories, there's uh, humanistic, mm-hmm. uh, person-centered, somatic, um, of course now I'm drawing a blank on so basically, if you were to just go on Google and look up different uh, approaches and modalities of therapy, there's going to be a long list. And it is so important to find a unique combo then that works well for you. You may have um, friends where they're like, okay, this really worked for me, and then you try it and it doesn't work for you. Um, the combination will be unique to the person. and. I think it's really important to interview your therapist before you start sessions with them with a list of questions um, on their stances on certain things, their specialized training, and I think their beliefs actually do play a significant role I in it. I think so too. Um, because as much as like they might say like, oh, it's not going to come into practice, it will. It will. It will. Yeah, so... Um be in, as informed as you possibly can as you seek out professionals because uh, they're so helpful, but then it can also do harm if yes. you're working with someone who is um, misguiding you. I would especially emphasize that for anyone who doesn't identify as straight. Yeah, absolutely. Like, really, really ask the person that you're seeing um, if they are at the very least an ally. Absolutely. And don't be afraid to inquire more. Yeah, really don't be afraid because maybe in the beginning, uh, you'll feel like that kind of thing like won't matter. But then I think you can reach a point in your therapy and your relationship with your therapist where you're like, oh, they completely write off this entire part of who I am. Yeah, and that in itself can be traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, a, a big thing that I guess is happening is that a lot of people, when they start over with a new therapist, have to like process the trauma that came from their previous therapist for 
bad approaches and invalidation that came from it. For sure, and and as the like therapeutic approaches are changing, uh, with like we talked about, like understanding the role of capitalism and you know other. Uh, patriarchy, white supremacy, like as therapists are understanding the role of those things more, therapy is rapidly changing, becoming more inclusive. Um, and then you'll realize, oh, we have to kind of maybe undo <laughs> some stuff for sure previous therapist. So, um, yeah, something to absolutely be aware of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So remember, your therapist is working for you. Yes. So the qualifications that you set matter. Absolutely. And you are the one uh, who can kind of call the shots on that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah. don't and don't be afraid to question them, even once you're deep in the therapy mm-hmm. about like, well, what else have you considered with this? And what went into, you know, you deciding that? Like, don't be afraid to put them on the spot and question them. Like, you're advocating for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And you owe that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, well. I feel like we have covered it for the most part. We're obviously going to have a long list of resources and things that we mentioned or suggestions for like reading, etc. Yep. We'll put um, our sources, we'll put book recommendations, TikTok creator recommendations, um, probably a couple articles in Mm -hmm. our show notes for this episode. Um, And definitely you can reach out to us on our Instagram, uh, we'll be back and active on there and, uh, we'll, we're going to exist again as a show. So definitely, um, looking forward to starting a conversation around this episode and, uh, making 12 episodes in 2022. (laughs) We are really going to try to go for it. We're going to do it. Uh, so I think we said it in the beginning, but everywhere you listen to podcasts, you'll find the audio for these episodes but of course uh, we're we are visual people um so <laughs> youtube is like our primary thing so please if you haven't already subscribe to our youtube channel smash that like button smash it it's the one that looks like this press it because that's going to help the algorithm a lot of the time our videos cannot be monetized so we really need Basically, like they're not gonna ever be monetized <laughs> Really, no. Like, I think we have, like, maybe 50-50 every time, like, if it's going to get monetized Mm -hmm. or not. So, we need all the help we can get with the algorithm and with support for the show. So, uh, press like, press subscribe, do it. Do it right now. Do it. Did you do it? Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for (laughs) smashing that like. (laughs) Um, Leave us a comment about... um, what you might want to hear us talk about next. Yeah, of course, we are always throwing back and forth topic ideas, um, but let us know what you want to hear from us. Everything has changed. Everything is different now. We're in a whole new timeline. I know. So, <laughs> yeah, let us know. And uh, thanks for listening Thank and watching. You. Bye. 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 <laughs>